Hello and a very warm welcome to the Proximo Energy and Infrastructure podcast. This is your host, Thomas Hopkins, reporting to you from London. In this week's episode, I interview Rolf Huber, chairman of the board of directors of H2 Energy, a Switzerland-based developer that operates a fleet of green hydrogen trucks and is making some very interesting strides in the all-important green hydrogen sector. I caught up with Rolf to talk about H2 Energy and the way forward for green hydrogen. Okay, so Rolf, could you tell me a bit about the history of H2 Energy and why you decided to start the company? The history uh, originated, or the company originated from an idea, which was to do everything to stop the climate change. And uh, of course, hydrogen is not the only technology that can support that wisdom, but I think, and we think it is a very important vector, which at the point of time wasn't uh, acknowledged to the right to the right extent. And we just wanted to, to kind of give a special effort uh, to making this uh, this technology uh, uh, viable and, and 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 working and being able to 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 impact to impact uh, you know positively so so we started that with an idea uh, and uh, we spent also quite some time with powerpoint but at the end of the day uh, we were pretty sure that we need to do something and and we did some stuff that probably when I was younger I would never have done because the number didn't add up and everything but we still did it because we thought it was the right to to do so and that is a little bit something to do with your uh, risk appetite but also with your frustration level for things not getting started and the frustration level at this time kind of exceeded and so we put personal money a lot of personal money in this and then made made small ecosystems starting we attracted uh, other people more and more into what we were doing up until now that we have a national uh, fleet running in Switzerland with trucks. I would say the first of its kind worldwide. We have uh, good partners around us. And now uh, we also have the required fundings um, to go really large on a, on a European scale. I mean, that is really how it had started. And it had started in partnerships. It had started with, uh, we don't have the super duper mega star that does it all and knows it all. Uh, we just have ideas. We kind of challenged it and we, we kind of became better and better. Like, uh, like when you do Formula One and you just need a team and just uh, every round you want to be faster. Yeah, well, it sounds great, Rolf. And uh, I'm glad to hear that you're so kind of positive about it. Uh, you mentioned actually that you were operating a fleet of uh, hydrogen-powered trucks uh, in Switzerland. Um, how does the process of operating these trucks work? The the process the process of operating this truck. I mean, first of all, you have to say that uh, that the truck work within a very uh, uh, closely coordinated. Uh, framework of a, of, a, of a really tailored uh, ecosystem with different parties. That is very important. So we don't we didn't just put the, the trucks in the market and everybody had to find its way of getting it refueled, serviced, and so on. But we actually installed the infrastructure and the people that would run the infrastructure. Uh, everything that we didn't find anybody to to actually work on, we did ourselves somehow. And um, and on the truck side, we went into uh, into a joint venture uh, with Hyundai. We also had were in contact and still in contact with 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 many other OEMs, European OEMs. But we weren't good enough to convince them at the at this particular point of time. And now we have an exclusive contract for all over Europe uh, with Hyundai, 
uh, to put these drugs in the market. And the way we operate it and the process is basically that we uh, take care of the entire ecosystem. People pay us for on a kilometer uh, fee only. So if the truck doesn't drive, they don't pay. We solve the issues around it. Uh, we refuel the car. We make the car refueling possible. I would say they refuel the car, but we tell them how and where. Uh, we, 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 we manage the service with partners, but we make sure the service happens. We do the homologation and, and all of what comes around, around that service. Thanks, Rolf. And I was actually, I was interested in terms of you saying that you coordinated the refueling for the trucks. I mean, do you produce the green hydrogen that fuels the trucks yourself, or is there another supply chain that's kind of in play here? For that, that's a very good question because when, of course, we reached out to Korea, they would not have actually started the process if they didn't see that there were opportunities and infrastructure set up to actually refuel and 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 and, and supply the trucks with with the proper green hydrogen. So what we did, we we um, uh, formed a company and we put the partners uh, in this company, also the second largest energy provider, Alpic in Switzerland on one end and then also Linde uh, Gas, which is uh, the largest gas producer in the world, uh, are partnering up with us on a company called Hydrospider. And, and through these companies, we have uh, electrolyzer assets sitting really and being installed at one of Alpic's hydro pump, where we take the excess energy, we, we produce hydrogen from this energy, and then we supply it with containers to the to the refueling station. So that is really done by the company Hydro. So the supply and logistics, logistics are mostly forgotten, but it's a very uh, vital part of the of the value system. Uh, uh, so uh, production, storage, and logistics is all being uh, done by the company Hydro Spider. We have forty five percent stake in that uh, company. All right, that's very interesting to hear. And um, do you have plans to sort of use the hydrogen being produced by hydro by hydro spider for sale in other sectors that might use green hydrogen because obviously green hydrogen is an incredibly versatile fuel and can be used all over the place really well first of all i have to say that uh, we weren't aware of how many people were actually looking for green hydrogen up until we built the site physically so uh, that those were information we couldn't find in any previous PowerPoints charts that we did prior of building any any uh, production sites. But now that we have that, we have a lot of people wanting actually the green hydrogen in Switzerland, but also out of Switzerland. And yes, I would say that the, the question is only um, uh, what, what economical situation can we achieve? Um, because obviously you will have to match in, in one way or the other, subsidized or not, uh, what's around, uh, and you have to compare yourself with the fossil world. So, and it is sometimes more difficult than than for 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 other sectors. For instance, mobility, which which seems to be really difficult, is actually the easiest part, and that is to why we started with mobility. And if you talk about mobility, the uh, uh, the best margins you could actually get uh, with the cars. But the problem with the cars is that the volumes are insufficiently low. And, uh, and, and with the trucks, the volumes are much higher, but the, the margins are a little bit more aggressive, but, uh, but, but the volumes play a, a very important role. We have now um, for stationary applications, um, 
business cases that you can do, but then the volumes are very low. And it's a little bit the case, the higher the volumes, the lower the margins, uh, unfortunately. And, uh, uh, but, but, you know, we are actually now transitioning in more and more sectors. Uh, we are in contact and, and uh, sometimes even partnerships, you know, with chip producers, chip operators, but also train uh, producers and so on and so forth. But obviously uh, the truck segment, given, given our situation with Hyundai is the most, um, uh, is, is the most important uh, uh, off-taker at, at this point of time. And how does the cost of running trucks on green hydrogen compare to running trucks on conventional fuels? We have uh, in Switzerland a system which we managed, I would say, pretty close to matching uh, the diesel TCOs. Uh, but we, we had to apply some, I would say, little tricks on this uh, equation. Uh, in the sense that, that in Switzerland, you have a special uh, heavy-duty road tax. And the heavy-duty road tax uh, is originating from the emissions the trucks actually do. And it has something to do with the north, the south, and the axles. And um, so currently, people want these loads to be transferred to the rail. And therefore, there is a tax uh, being uh, being on every single uh, heavy-duty transport. And this tax is, is fairly high. Now, if you have a, a low-emission uh, drivetrain or an electric drivetrain, you get exempted from that tax. And with this exemption uh, and with some very aggressive uh, measures, we can actually, we can actually re reach DCO levels in Switzerland. Now, in Euro, uh, Europe, or I would say, Germany, the Netherlands, and, and country con and similar country like that, you know, this is uh, probably the cost is about half. So, and 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 the only way of matching these um, these uh, uh, cost levels uh, the, is actually in playing a larger game and 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 being more substantial and having actually smarter concept with regards uh, to how to play the energy system uh, in a way that you support the energy system. So at the end of the day, the whole hydrogen uh, initiative uh, uh, kind of ends or, or actually, you know, ends being being an energy play. And, uh, and, and you will have to have the right uh, sizes, probably gigawatt sizes, you will have to have the right location. So probably the location where you have excess renewable energy, you have to have the right distribution, but with all that in place, our models show that you can only also uh, already now start matching the TCOs for diesel outside of Switzerland. Goodness, that is that is encouraging. I have to say, I mean, what do you think if you're looking at hydrogen developing over the next few years? Because I think obviously this is a major kind of growth area, or at least I hope it is. Um, what do you think are the biggest challenges facing the growth of the green hydrogen industry? The biggest challenge is, is really getting new renewable energy built. That is the biggest challenge. People think it's the economics, but the economics will have to, I mean, will, can be shaped with, with regulatory frame, with changing regulatory frameworks. Um, but you know you have to understand that currently we have about 14,000 terawatt hours in Europe 
of fossil energy, and that needs to somehow be replaced. Now you can now you can build 2,000 uh, 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 nuclear plants if you like that, but most people don't like that. Uh, but if you don't want to build that, then then probably you have to build about about three to four thousand gigawatt of wind energy because you're not running uh, eight thousand plus hours per year on the on the wind full hours. So so you have to have multiple thousands of gigawatt renewable energy installed in Europe, and that is going to be the biggest challenge. And that's an order of magnitude which unfortunately too few people are aware of currently. And is this something that really needs to be a kind of coordinated European project, just given that you have, say, really good natural resources for solar in Spain, and you know you don't necessarily have those resources all over Europe. So is developing this renewable energy in order to produce green hydrogen, does this really need sort of international kind of collaboration or at least collaboration within the EU? I think collaboration is needed when you set the frameworks uh, so that that whatever you do, it doesn't play against what you're actually trying to achieve. And then that is very often, unfortunately, the case that one person has a good idea and then, and then, and then the person tries, or then, you know, some of the politic parties try to achieve something and they want to do actually the right thing. But, you know, around the corner, the impact is not what they actually wanted it. Um, and in that sense, yes, but if I think we would we should have to play much more with, you know, the, the key economic uh, economic player, we are currently focusing too much on solutions that politicians should deliver. And for me, uh, it, it should be a little bit more liberal uh, and a little bit more innovative. It seems like every, every time the financials are questionable or difficult, people try to get subsidies by the states and then they shut off their, their brains and, and wait for the polit politicians to solve their problems. I mean, for me, it's very simple. If we really mean it honestly, and we really want to achieve this uh, 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 energy transition, then we need to install uh, tremendous amounts of, of, of new uh, power resources, uh, renewable resources, renewable energy resources, and to a very big degree, we have to convert this energy then in molecules. And the only way of doing that, or, or almost the only way of doing that, um, ex uh, apart from biomass and heat probably, uh, is really hydrogen, goes through hydrogen. And um, so, so, uh, so we have to find ways in making this, in making this happen. And that cannot be done with, uh, with penalties, it cannot be done with uh, prohibitions or with what have you. It can be done with a few frameworks, but it has to be done by the companies and cannot be done by, by, by I would say, you know, the administration uh, uh, bodies and, and, and governmental uh, uh, state, state people. Okay. I mean, do you not think that something like a contracts for different scheme or a carbon tax or higher emissions trading scheme prices, I mean, can those be helpful at all there? Oh, at the end of the day, the, I mean, if the only thing that you have to do is actually you have to uh, internalize the external, the, the external cost. Because if you look at the external cost of a, of a truck, that we do here of a diesel truck, I would say, you know, 36 tons, for instance, if you take the full external cost of that truck, it's about a quarter of a million Swiss francs. 
so 200,000 euro plus. If somebody would have to pay this 200,000 euro every year, no question, nobody would drive the diesel truck. It would be it would be clearly the most expensive drivetrain, and everybody automatically would switch to hydrogen, no question. But since these 200,000 trucks being paid by the public and by everybody else, but the user, uh, you know, then then diesel seems to be the cheapest solution, which is not the case. Now. Uh, if you find ways in sort of internalizing these costs, um, you automatically get to the right solution, but that's not so easy. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, carbon taxing is one way of internalizing the cost, but the levels of carbon tax to making this change happen is, uh, is very substantial. And I would say politically probably not, not accepted. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think that we can do to try and promote this sort of innovative commercial thinking that you're talking about? We have to be, um, you know, very innovative in finding good ways so that if you produce the hydrogen, um, you can also have, you're not getting additionally punished by using the electricity. Huh? So in certain countries, for instance, you have you have just one price formula for the entire country. And it doesn't matter to whether you source the energy in an, in an area where you have excess energies or you don't have enough energy. So because most countries have just a single price strategy or cost strategy, it's all regulated. And then even on that, on top of that, you pay additional fees if you consume the electricity. And if you put all this cost of the electricity because the electricity is the key cost factor for producing hydrogen, then you don't make it viable. So I, I think, you know, a good example how what you can do is Denmark. Just look at Denmark. If everybody acted like Denmark, I think we would be much, much quicker. And they are really supportive. They make you, they make you kind of uh, uh, feeling, you know, uh, they understand what your needs are. They try to help you with setting up the right infrastructure, they see where, where they have excess energy, they have an incentive that you do uh, have to convert the excess energy into a different form uh, in order to be transported. And I think you just we just have to kind of have a few role models uh, and, uh, and act accordingly. Thank you very much, Rolf, and thank you for appearing on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it. And uh, I wish you all the best with your progress on H2 Energy. Thank you very much, Thomas. Thank you once again to Rolf Huber for taking the time to share his perspective on the undoubtedly vital topic of green hydrogen. Before we end today, I would just like to remind you about Proximo's upcoming webinar on Thursday, 22 April, Defining and Scaling Best Practice in Blended Finance. I will be joined by the EBRD's Matthew Jordan Tank, the IFC's Chris Kea Sierra Escalante, and Blue Orchard's Maria Teresa Zapier. The webinar will be broadcast live at 3pm UK time. Please go to proximoinfra.com to sign up. I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. Be sure to tune in again next week for more of your latest project finance, energy and infrastructure news and analysis. <laughs>